Holman, before we start this episode of the Truck Show Podcast, I got to say that my mom says hi. <laughs> hi, Jay's mom. I, it sounds weird, huh? But I was on the way well, here. it sounds weird if I said hi, Lightning's mom. Yeah, yeah. I was on the way here and I was talking to my mom and dad and they were on the freeway and I go, uh, I'm headed to the podcast. I got to hang up and she's like, okay, we'll say hi to Sean. <laughs> I hung up. I'm like, wait, why did my mom just give a shout to Sean? It's <laughs> awesome. What? I think because she listens to the show so frequently. Yeah. She feels like she knows you. Well, I wish I could return that favor. I just, it was weird. Can, Can I, I come over I... for like a Tillis Sunday family dinner or you something? You want some casserole or something sure. on a Sunday night? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Great. Just be hanging out with the Tillises. That's uh, weird. Or is it Tilli? N- nah, oh, I don't know. It's I guess it's Tillises. Tillises, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the last one. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd down some casserole with the Tillises. <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> that does sound weird. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I just got back. I went to uh, Palm Springs and drove the new Chevy uh, ZR2 Bison. Oh, I saw the video. So the uh, Colorado and HG, so if you go to, uh, I think it's on the Truck Show podcast page or at Sean P. Holman, you can go uh, and check it out on Instagram and do some some videos. I still have to write uh, some some thoughts on it because the embargo just lifted today. Embargo. And I'm just really behind on everything because when you are uh, out for a week and you own your own business and then you come back, you go, oh, that was a bad idea. But it was for like you know once in a lifetime deal. So so uh, after the ZR2 drive, which took us through Johnson Valley, we were taking a brand new ninety five, ninety six thousand dollar Duramax twenty five hundred HDs down the backside of Chocolate Thunder. And now, if you have ever heard or haven't heard of Chocolate Thunder, this is one of the main routes of the Ultra Four cars. Yeah, and it is huge, rocky, Mars like terrain. Yeah, like waterfalls stuff. So we we're taking these big old trucks down there, the ZR2s. Uh, so. Uh, hopefully next week I'll give you guys my truck review, but uh, we've got so much going on in this show, so much to catch up on. I'll save that. So then I went out to uh, Goff's, to the MDHCA, to our museum out there, and met up with uh, Desert Explorer, Billy Creech. What? Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. So I was posting all week, so if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen- How many times did you say that, by the way? How many- Billy Creech. Well, hold on. Desert. That's what I'm trying to get at. All of these listeners kept- Tagging Billy uh-huh. and putting Desert Explorer, <laughs> and he, he Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Hey ho, teach us what you know. Go ahead, Billy. We're waiting, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually played that for the head of the BLM uh, Needles Field Office. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I said, oh, you, we, I've got this podcast, and we've got this hilarious thing with Billy. You had it on your phone, and he's like, yeah, and he's like. It was funny at first, but now everybody's doing it. <laughs> I'm like, well, wait till you come on the show to talk about it. So I'm not going to talk too much about our adventure. I'll just give you a quick overview. We'll have Billy on. Long story short. Wait, which Billy? This Billy? Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Yes. Uh, in an upcoming episode, we will have uh, Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer. <laughs> and we're going to overplay that a lot because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we started out in uh, Ivanpah. And uh, we worked our way up on old roads all the way up to uh, basically the southern tip of Death Valley. And we had uh, a BLM archaeologist, a geologist, a botanist, and the field office manager. Uh, And then we also had uh, Chris Collard, who's uh, another photojournalist uh, that you guys probably know. He shoots all of, like, Jeep's uh, press uh, photos, and he's worked with Four Wheeler and all that stuff. Well-respected, dude. Very well-respected. And then uh, Billy Creech, and we were able to take this caravan, and we made it. 
And there were some trials and tribulations along the way. There was some stuff that we didn't think we were going to get through. Don't there, spoil them, though. There were a couple times we thought maybe the trip was over and that it wasn't going to proceed. And I so, saw some of that video where you looked dejected and the bags under your eyes reached your navel. Uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> totally true. But uh, no, there were definitely times of frustration and dejection. But at the end of the day... We made it happen. We routed it. The BLM was happy. We're moving forward. This We were literally on sections of road that were over 120 years old that hadn't been driven on in literally decades, trying to find the trace, uh, crossing alluvial fans in the desert, massive washouts from the storms. Like There were times where we would come uh, up to uh, a ledge, and it was a seven-foot drop down to the riverbed, and we'd have to figure out how to get down. But there was wilderness area on one side, so we couldn't drive that way, or uh, crossing the Armagosa River. I mean, just... On and on. So uh, amazing trip. Can't wait to bring it to you guys. The Adventure Jeep uh, did amazing. Yeah, I know a lot of you will go, well, what happened with your Magnaflow exhaust tips? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you crushed them again? No. Here's the thing. This freaking trail, my Jeep's up on 37s, bent my rear license plate. Oh, my gosh. And barely kissed the Magnaflow tips. Uh-huh. So the Magnaflow tips, so here's the thing. Stock tip, you touch the ground, instant pancake. Right. The Magnaflow tips are these like double-walled stainless steel. They're like skid plates. I oh, drug really? the crap out of them. They don't look any worse for the wear. So I was all worried about them. like, oh, no, here go the tips. And I looked at them, and it's like a little scrape on the bottom. Tips look great. Didn't even move position. No I'm like, kidding. Sweet. So I'm like, not even worried about the tips anymore. That's good to know. So if you want strong exhaust tips, <laughs> yeah. reach our reach out to our friends at Magnaflow. So uh, working to get uh, Rich on the phone. I don't know if he'll be uh, on before SEMA or after, but we're uh, we'll we'll get him on to talk Magnaflow. But we're gonna need to carve out about six hours for him. Yeah, he's got they, stories. He's got stories. Uh, but yeah, the exhaust uh, was awesome. And then we also talked about uh, the Curry high clearance steering system that I did. Phenomenal. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, I want to get the the guys from Rock Jock on to talk about that product because game changer for uh, for uh, backcountry travel. Uh, and then uh, had uh, Apex uh, had the uh, steering boost kit that we put on as well to turn up the hydraulic pressure of the electronic pump. Did you also have their uh, valve stems for uh, quick deflation? I don't have them on this because my wheels don't allow for their collar. Boo. But did you see he just released a brand new one? I did. And those well, will fit in my wheels. So I saw the ad, but I didn't yeah. have time to pause and then hit yeah, go no. on the shop button go, to go investigate. But Yeah, go to, uh, I think it's apexperformanceproducts.com and check those out. But yeah, so a lot of people were asking me, well, you've got a 392. It was 95 degrees. You're crawling off road. Did you ever overheat? Never came close. I was able to check my iDash to see what my maximum temperatures were. Didn't you set up some alerts before you left? Uh, Yeah. So I've got that on there and then I can check what my maximums are. Uh, And then the other cool thing is a lot of people with 392s or the EcoDiesels have so much heat generated under the engine compartment that their power steering system will do an overheating alert and then they lose the assist. Well, the Apex system is supposed to help that out. I can tell you driving miles across the desert with that Apex kit with the cooler, the boost turned up to, I think it was 1800 PSI. No issues whatsoever. The steering was fantastic. That and the Curry system together, man. I was so happy. And then uh, the 8100s, this trip would have been untenable if I didn't have good shocks on that thing. So I know it sounds like a commercial for a lot of different brands, but (laughs) honestly, I've curated what's on that Jeep. And I'm happy to tell you the stuff that I put on there is, it was worth it. It works. So I'm going to take a zag really quick here. Um, A couple of emails that uh, we don't really have to read, but they were requesting 
a product page on our website. They're like, you guys are talking about stuff all the time. And so I've reached out to a couple of of our friends at the Uh companies where we mention them, and we're working on some affiliate links. So you'll be able to not only get discounts on products, but support your boys at the Truck Show Podcast. We would uh, greatly appreciate that. And then uh, I have one photo I want to show you. I didn't even tell you about this, and I've been waiting to show this to you because it's going to uh, tickle your fancy. All right. This is not something that you posted on the gram? I have not posted this on the gram. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to put a picture up on the uh, Podshed TV here, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be something that you are going to be very happy to see. So what you're saying is you're making me guess what it is? I'm not saying that, but if you'd like to guess. I would like to guess. Oh, wait a minute. I have an intro for me guessing. How wide, how tall, is it big or is it small, is it more or is it less? If I describe it, can you guess? Partly flat and partly round, blue and it makes a ring sound. Now I've described it, can you see what this thing is bound to be? What is it? You got to tell me. Horrible. That's freaking what? Wow. What? Where did you find that? I'm going to play that again soon because I love it so Do much. Do you own the copyright off that? Yes. <laughs> I sang it and <laughs> reproduced it. Yeah, it's fine. It's some dude on some 70s TV show. Okay, that's super weird. Whoever's saying that's dead. <laughs> it might not be. <laughs> uh, yeah, the rights holder's not, though. All right. Uh, it is something that you know about. Okay. <gasps> no. Tell me it was the bathtub full of marbles. No. It's not the bathtub full of marbles no. in the middle of the desert? No. Okay. I, I don't have any. Was it a mine? Were you in a mine? No. Well, I, what else do I care about? It was red and black. Red and black. There's a lot of things that are red and black. I don't know. It had a screen on it. Red and black with a screen on it. You ready? Yeah. I don't, I don't, honest, I have no clue. Red and black with a screen on it. Show me the Turn picture. your attention to... Whoa, you actually use the anti-gravity batteries, MicroStart, XP20 heavy-duty jump starter. What happened? So you remember when I told you I was taking it on this trip? Mm-hmm. All right, so we had it on the show, and we said, hey, anti-gravity sent us these jump packs. Right. And went, oh, this is smaller than the NOCO that I have. I'll bring this. And sure enough, uh, halfway through the trip, uh, Chris Collard has a Toyota Tacoma first gen with a V6 with 300 plus thousand miles on it, and he's still prowling the desert. Okay. But he had a uh, aftermarket welding system on it, and the voltage regulator took a crap, and so he wasn't charging anymore. And so the sun was going down, we had to find a campsite, and we basically drove until his battery about killed itself. And the only way we were able to start it was with that jump pack. No way. And Chris just happened to have, because he knew the voltage regulator on this particular welding system has issues, he had a stock alternator on him. And they were able to swap out the alternator at camp that night. And we started in the morning with the XP20. That is like you made it up. I didn't make it up. That's why I took a picture. I'm the like, the fact that we mentioned this two episodes yes. ago. And, and I said, I'm bringing it. it and, and it saved the and dude. It literally saved the day. Wow. So tell your friends at Anti-Gravity that we actually have a real used store. And here's the thing that I thought was really interesting. So the XP20 is their heavy duty. It's supposed to jump the Peterbilt or whatever. Yeah, like a 16 liter. Yeah, yeah. whatever. So this is a 3.4 liter V6. It was about 5 or 6% a start, an attempt. That's how much the percentage would go down. 
didn't even affect it then. So we, I think by the time they jumped it a bunch of times as they were letting it run, turning it off, reading voltages, doing all that stuff five, six, seven times, I mean, it still had 50%. still would have jumped another couple cars. So I was really impressed. Did my it, my did point it, is- Did it get warm? No. Wow, no. Okay. My point is I was, I was super impressed. It worked as advertised. It saved the day. There's not a lot of times that uh, we have something on the show that is for use in an emergency, and then we actually get to use it. So I was just super stoked. I, I you know, they're like, "Oh, does anybody have jumper cables?" And I'm like, "Hold that thought." And <laughs> and here's the thing that's better about that is did, did, when when they said that, did you just like, "I got this"? Of course, because <laughs> who wants to like you're on a tight trail, you can't drive off road, you can't drive off the trail. How are you going to turn a vehicle around on a two track? Point the nose at it in a line of seven vehicles. Hook up your jumper cables. Make sure the battery's on the right side. All that stuff. All I did was unzip this out of a pouch, walked back three cars, and went here. Put this on. Started right up. That's cool. So that's a I, great endorsement. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a great it's a great product, and uh, yeah, it actually happens. So. so if you're wondering about the size, it's about it's a little bigger than like a new iPhone it's a brick. 15. It's a brick cut like, in half. Okay, it's there a, lo- you go. a long brick, and you cut yeah, it in right. half lengthwise, mm-hmm. like uh, so. It's kind of flat, and that's about the size of it. it doesn't take up any room. It's, it takes up way less room than my heavy duty jumper cables do. So now I'm going to be pulling out of my jumper cables out of the vehicle. No reason have to have this. jumper cables. No, right? No, not for what I do. I just want to be able to start somebody who uh, who needs it. So that's super cool. Well, yeah. again, I talked about getting an affiliate link on the site. This is exactly what we need to be promoting. Yeah, stuff that actually works for us in the so, field. There it oh, is. Super cool. All right. So, before we get into the rest of the show, can we thank Nissan? Uh, trucks with brand new batteries that don't require <laughs> jump starting. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we can do that. So, uh, if you're in the market for a new half ton or mid sized pickup truck, you can check out the Titan, the Titan XD, or the Nissan Frontier. Any of those trucks are going to deliver you value, reliability, durability, dependability. It's a great truck, great brand. We love them. Head over to NissanUSA.com where you can use their build and price tool. And you can even, uh, I think, see pictures of the new hard body, which is mm-hmm. coming out, which looks super rad. Or you can head down to your local dealer where they're going to be happy to show off all the great features of the Nissan truck product line, like the zero-gravity seats, the Fender audio system, utility track bed rail system, spray and bed liner, and uh, all the other stuff that you expect from a truck and more. And as Holman said earlier, the Banks iDash comes incredibly handy. Whether you're on the road or on the trail, you're setting your own temperature alerts, you're setting uh, low oil pressure alerts, or let's say you need to pull diagnostic codes or trouble codes when you're in the middle of nowhere. What's actually happening to the engine? The iDash does all that stuff, right, that every other diagnostic device does, but it adds an entire layer of patented parameters. These parameters help you if you're an engine developer or if you're an at-home tuner, whether you change your intercooler, your turbo system, your intake. Did you spend money on a performance mod that increased the performance or did you throw money down the toilet? The iDash will tell you what you've added or subtracted. Check out the Banks iDash. It works with any car on the road. If you don't have a modern car with sensors, Banks has all the sensors. Whether you've got an old school 30s hot rod or a brand new Duramax truck, the Banks iDash is the answer. You'll find yours at bankspower.com. And of course, we got to thank our brand new sponsor, Hellwig Products, who will be uh, hanging out with the show for the next month or so. And in fact, we have Melanie White, CEO of Hellwig, who's going to be on this show. But uh, Lightning, I believe you have a Hellwig clip you'd like to share. Hit it, Steve. This is Jim. Jim loves his truck. He uses it to haul his camper, construction materials, and tow his boat. The problem is that all these things make the back end of his truck sag. 
This sagging leads to a reduction in control, difficulty braking, uneven wear of his tires, increased wear and tear on the rear end components, and his headlights raise and hit people in the eyes instead of pointing at the road. He started to notice that the delivery vehicles, lifted trucks, fleet vehicles, and older vehicles that were carrying a load or towing sagged in the back end. He visited his friend Tom who was leaving for a cross-country trip in his overland vehicle. He was amazed that even when it was loaded with all his equipment and supplies, it was not sagging like so many other vehicles. Tom shared his secret. No maintenance, set it and forget it helper springs from Hellwig Products. To find your Hellwig helper spring, visit hellwigproducts.com. Fight saggy bottom for the rear of your vehicle? with a set of Hellwig helper springs. And of course, there's no more white knuckle rides if your truck or tow vehicle drives like a teeter-totter. Hellwig products sway bars can help alleviate unwanted body roll and make your next road trip smoother. Hellwig products are made right here in the USA and have been since 1946. So if you're looking for some additional load control, head over to hellwigproducts.com. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck truck rides with the truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show oh, oh. it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman all right, Holman, let's do this. Let's start off the show officially with Melanie White of Hellwig Products out there in Visalia, California. This is Melanie. Melanie Lightning and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Yay. How's How it going? <laughs> Fantastic. Good. You sound so exuberant. I'm sad. <laughs> I know I'm bummed. I'm your, the room with you though so in the pod shed yeah, yeah you don't but, you don't want to be it well wait a minute so I it know, is a cool I place would... you've been with us in person before and you know how ugly we are so it's good that you're not uh, near us it's not right? about looks lightning it's about the experience and oh, that's it? just as bad <laughs> okay <laughs> if melanie was here we'd offer her like I a dr weirdly, pepper yeah i weirdly like that though so <laughs> i don't know <laughs> all right so we holman we didn't discuss which intro oh we should that's play true for we didn't, right uh do you have one in mind i i feel like it's inside job okay but she's but you're, you're borderline waffling. she's borderline truck famous because she's a big wig now at sema uh-huh. she's the ceo of hellwig uh-huh I don't I know, do, what are you, what do, are you thinking? Oh, let's do Truck Famous. We haven't done that one in a while. Here we go. Okay. Truck Famous. Hero. Star. VIP. Ace. Big Wig. Hot Shot. Truck Famous. Big Shot. Big Deal. Big Gun. Big Cheese. Heavyweight. Superstar. Truck Famous. That's what you are. There you go. <laughs> Could you hear that? You know what? I did. I have been wanting walk-up music, so thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Melanie, we have had you on the show before, so thank you for being so gracious and and returning. You've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. As you know, I recently put a set of Hellwig sway bars on the TRX, on my 22 TRX. We've, We've talked about it at length, but just as a recap, in case we've got new listeners just tuning in, I was so impressed with the with the handling improvement on the truck. So, so you got to remember, Jay's the type of guy who lightning 
Ah, Jay. It's yeah, just we're weird. All friends I here. I know. But all right, Lightning. Yeah. That's the, you, you think me calling you Lightning is less weird than me calling you by your actual name? It's just so what you and I start calling each other Jay <laughs> and Sean. The magic our, goes away? Our listeners start to think, yeah, the magic's going away. They're already away. emailing like, you as Jay. I know. I don't like it. <laughs> they're, they're like, hey, Sean and Jay. Uh, all right, no. so here's the deal. It's like you and he come out just saying, yo, Mel, what's up? Or like, we're, we're not, we're, we, like, we love Mel, but we're not that tight with her, right? I have seen my selfies every year with her. You so. can call me Mel. See? Really? Yeah. Okay, all right, Mel. What's up? All right, so, yeah. <laughs> Jay says, hey, what's up? <laughs> All right. Uh, so, <laughs> Lightning. Li- yes, Lightning. Uh, Lightning came mostly in a lot of ways from more of the car world, the sports car stuff. I mean, he's had a couple trucks here and there, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is he got his TRX. He's like, wow, this thing feels kind of like soft and mushy on the road and it doesn't really handle well. I'm like, what are you talking well, about? So I didn't say that it didn't handle well. Handles I, amazing. It, it does. So it does exactly what it's supposed to do. But on the road, it feels wishy washy. You've never had a, like an off-road performance truck before. Correct. You've had like lifted trucks. You've had show trucks. All that lower stuff. trucks. Lower trucks. But yep. you never had that. And so when the opportunity to put the Hellwig sway bars came on, lightning. Is like, <laughs> he's like, well, what, what do you think it'll do? Right? Because he doesn't tow a trailer and he doesn't necessarily haul a bunch of payload. He just wants to have a cool truck to go drive. And I'm like, no, go ahead and do it because it's going to transform your everyday driving. And what was the first yeah. thing you, we pulled out of the parking lot and you're like, I can already feel a difference uh, immediately. So, where I could tell is under acceleration in a turn. It didn't wallow, but where I really notice it is when you're on an overpass and you've got the joints in the road. Yeah. And so as you go, you're turning like a long joints. sweeper over. You've got expansion joints. It didn't want to kick out. It was planted. It just the right The steering over. went from being <laughs> understeer to a lot more neutral. Yes. Well said. Thank which you. which is what you were looking for without knowing how to say it. I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> articulate it. I still can't now. But I will yeah. tell you that the the experience is so much better. It it really is a confidence bo- uh, builder, and I I can't imagine I haven't towed with it yet because the TRX really isn't a tow. You can, but it's not really. It's not like a, a you know a GMC twenty five thirty five hundred. We still can pull tow eight thousand pounds with it. You you can for sure. But yeah. where I would imagine this would come in like clutch is where you're towing. And you need that sway control. Now, have you played with the adjustability on your rear sway bar? I haven't yet. Because we, we set it, I think we set it in at- In the middle position. In the, on both sides? Yes. Because I know you can go- uh, Yeah, you can split do the a, difference. Yeah, do a half position. Yeah, I haven't yet. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, Melanie is fourth generation at Hellwig. Family-owned business started by her great-grandfather, and you guys were original- Founding members of SEMA, and by the way, we're at the very first SEMA show in 1967 that was held at Dodger Stadium, which that show lives in infamy. You can hear all the old timers around SEMA talk about it. I was there. I was there in 1967 at Dodger Stadium. So that was indoors under the grandstands. Totally. And everyone wore suits. It's such a different vibe than it is today, right? Uh, no one had vehicles there. It was just booths, um, like 10 by 10 booths all around, but that was under Dodger Stadium. And my grandpa uh, took Hellwig products there for the first time. Well, I love that we were there. What was the product and back in 1967 that he would have had on display? He would have had helper springs. Helper so, springs, okay. Uh, yeah, helper springs. And most vehicles were passenger cars in, with leaf springs, and they did everything, right? They towed, they hauled, camped out of it, uh, everything. And so... If a sagging, if a vehicle was sagging, my grandpa would be like, hey, I can fix that problem. So everything was kind of focused around that passenger car. Um, 
And then probably around, it probably was around the 60s when trucks became uh, more popular too. And we started to put our products on those. Well, I think because um, trucks finally got, our- got power steering and power brakes and AM, FM radio yeah, and exactly. air conditioning. And we've talked about on the show before, yeah. the modern station wagon today is the crew cab half-ton truck, right? If you want that traditional, yeah, totally. you know, towing, hauling, four-door, rear-wheel drive, you know, body-on-frame experience, that's that's the crew cab pickup. So. You you may have been helper springs on wagons back then, but really it is a natural progression for Helwig to be into uh, you know the half ton trucks and, and pickups and things like that as well. I have an image of uh, like when they were advertising the first SEMA show, and it's really fun to like pick out. Um, I'll have to share it with you guys, uh, but there, it's really fun to pick out. Like it's a cartoon. And it has like people on bases because it was in Dodger Stadium. <laughs> and it has like the team names. So it'll have like Helwig. It has like Edelbrock. I think like Comp Cans has one. I'll have to share it with you guys. Maybe I'd love to see you that. You can share it with your listeners. That yeah, feels like a t shirt, like a retro t shirt. Yeah, you guys right? should just do a retro t shirt out of that. Yeah, it's cool. And when you see it, I bet you will want to. What was the application back then? Uh, was it like. Um... Do you remember, like, what was the number one application that he launched with? What what year, make, and model? Any idea? I, I'm i in my home office where I would have it. I have it on my my wall. Um, but we would, I mean, it was passenger cars with everything. Um, and it was a very, like, more, you know, there was a lot more space in the wheel well because we didn't have near the um the equipment we have on our these vehicles now and so um it was it was more of a universal fit what i actually have the first one of the first original springs that we made um we would dip it in army green paint because we got started in 1946 like right after the war there was little surplus plus of uh paint and so we would we used army green paint for our first batches of helper springs and i i have one of those in my office it's pretty cool this is your grandfather or great-grandfather my great-grandfather started the business so my grandpa was a senior in high school they actually started um and my great-grandfather had a full-time job so he would uh they would work at night and build product all during the week nights my grandpa was a senior in high school. Um, he actually had like a job where he like scooped ice cream in the afternoons and then like went home after and helped his dad manufacture these helper springs. And then they would go on the weekends and they'd look for vehicles that were sagging because we have a policy, no saggy bottoms. <laughs> so they, if someone had like a vehicle that was sagging in their driveway, my great grandfather would go knock on the door and say, hey, um, I'll install our product and fix your sagging tr- vehicle. And my grandpa, who was a senior in high school, would lay on the driveway on his back and install the product all for $7. So wow. Hey, everything. <laughs> Yeah. Although that was probably 700 bucks now, right? I yeah, mean, with inflation. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh, my Lord. That is the great American story. Well, and the fact that there are four generations in, that, that the family has had four generations of people who have wanted to be part of the business. Because I know a lot of family businesses now where they're getting to the point where the owner is like, I don't have an heir. I don't have somebody who's ready to take over the business or or family member. I told them not to get into this business or my kids went to college to go do something else or they're successful in their own right or 
or for whatever reason, there's a gazillion or reasons. Or the kid is a total loser, and the the uh, and he's like, I don't, yeah, you're not coming here. Addicted loser, a hole. I ain't giving anything to you. Yeah, well, I'm gonna exactly. flush all my money down the toilet. Yeah, so exactly the the, the fact that you guys a have four generations. I mean, you you've been there for what almost 20 years now, and you worked your way up to vice president, and then uh, finally she, became wait, she's the like 27 uh, CEO. years old. She's she started. I know a, Melanie hasn't aged at all, right? <laughs> Unlike us. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> she started as a fetus. Yeah. What? No, I if I if I look <laughs> if I look at the uh, the 20 years of SEMA pictures of us doing like SEMA selfies. I know she looks the same in every I single know. one, and I'm just like older <laughs> and grayer <laughs> and fatter. Well, horrible. Well, somebody told me uh, sent me a meme the other day. And it was like the three stages of adulthood uh-huh. is uh, you believe in Santa, you look like Santa, and you are Santa. And I can see that progression is completely. Uh, then why is Melanie still the kid waiting at the Christmas tree for the presents? I, I know, seriously, because she's, like, she's blessed. So yeah, so you've been there for a long time. It's not like you, and the fact that you've worked your way up all the way to the top. I mean, that's yeah. You said vice president is where you started, but I started freaking cold calling. Yeah, you were so in the sales, I- right? Yeah, like I did sales, cold calling. I mean, there were some times where I was like, I don't think I want to do this. People aren't very nice. Um, (laughs) But it taught me like, it taught me to like, you know, have a better spiel, be respectful, figure out what people needed, right? Like I still use some of the tricks and tips from that uh, era because like it's not fun uh, to cold call and like, you know, get brushed off or, you know, people don't want to like, yeah, they don't want to interact with you. Yeah, it, it uh, builds that moxie, right? I mean, you you end up understanding to to have a thicker shell and and like I'm kind of curious. You started. You're in the family business. You're in sales. You're kind of like I don't know if this is really for me. But eventually worked your way to VP and then on to CEO. Where was the pivot for you? At what point in the family business did you really feel like you know what this is for me? I want to be the uh, the kid, the grandkid, whatever. I want to be the one. I want to be the one to take this uh, business into the next uh, into the next era. You know, honestly, it was like when I got involved in SEMA. So I was uh, only a year in to my career in the automotive aftermarket, and I got introduced to someone within SEMA who um, who offered to be my mentor, and she was freaking amazing. She let me like uh, tag along with her so many places. And I think that's, what's really cool about like the industry is that people are incredibly generous with their time and they have so much passion. They like want it. They like, it bubbles over. And so I think that's where, uh, I just like, I caught the bug and it was, you know, first I've been volunteering for 18 years out of the 19 (laughs) I've been in this industry. So, but that's how I got it was really like getting involved with SEMA and the people here and like, you know, everything, like all the interactions, like people are passionate about what they're doing. So it makes it really fun and easy. And like for me selling a product, like lightning, you were talking earlier about what the difference that's made for your truck coming from a car guy. Right. So like that, like, that brings me so much joy that we get to like make people's driving experiences more fun. I mean, I have more fun too. I get to test drive uh, all kinds of vehicles and I, I really liked the TRX too. So, um, and I got to test drive that uh, just recently and I was just like sold. So I get to do really cool, fun stuff all the time and then like go help make a difference in other people's experiences too. 
Were you always a car person or truck person, or is that just because you, know, cause you grew up around it, obviously, or did you grow into it? You're like, oh, it's a family business, and then you grew to love it, or were you always a car person? So I always was a car person, but my first car like uh, was a uh, Caprice Classic where the headliner was like falling down. Yeah, you had to put the push pins on there to keep it up in the foam. You just had to like, yeah. And then the, the, um, I don't know why we didn't have a better solution for this, but if you hit a bump, we had a back scratcher that would hold the the glove box. So we would keep like a back scratcher to keep the glove box closed. And if you hit (laughs) railroad tracks, it would like instantly exit like everything into your passenger's seat or like lap it was hilarious that sounds like a total um, gm thing like gm's always had the headliner where the felt pulled away from the foam and the cardboard backing and then you'd always have like the friend who got the hand-me-down from their grandparents there was like push pins to keep it from sagging so you can see out the rearview mirror the glove box would fall and then if you remember the old square GM ignition keys, it always wear out and eventually you could just turn it they without a key. Rattle. So my my dad in high school had a uh, I think it was a Malibu and he was driving home from school. One of his buddies just grabbed his keys out of the ignition and threw them out the window into a field while he was driving. And it kept going. And it kept going. He's like, What did you do that for? And they had to go back and find his keys. Not no he didn't. He just kept could have left it running forever. Gas was cheap back then. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, So I had like a a car that was not attractive, right? So I, this is also where I learned like some sales tactics. I would somehow get my dad because we're in suspension. So my dad always had a cool vehicle that he was like testing suspension on. Right. So how did you get screwed with that beast of a car? She wasn't in the business yet. (sighs) I wasn't in the, yeah. So I, but I, I learned how to like, window my way into his keys like (laughs) i would try everything like because i always wanted to drive his cool vehicles i remember he would like to like when we were young he would like teach us here i'm going to show you a bat turn so it's like really super sharp turns, and then i would like go try to do it in his uh in his super cool truck but i always got i I was good, you guys. So I always got to borrow his vehicle, which was a huge step up from my daily driver. And so I became like a truck person early on. Like I just fell in love with trucks. Um, And I always was driving something because it was his vehicle that handled super well, too. So uh, I became a big fan. Does he know about these stories now? That you would take you his trucks out? No, he doesn't. <laughs> no. Uh, you guys. I, so my mom listens to this podcast, and I've told stories on the podcast, and she's like, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. Same for my mom. <laughs> yep. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. A few things. I know. Mel, because we're tight. Um, yeah. Is, does it strike you as odd that after all these years, you've got, I don't know, millions of helper springs and sway bars in the marketplace, massive name in the scene, respected brand, all the OEs know who you are and what you do. Does it surprise you that the OEs just haven't stepped up to like eat some of your lunch? Like, well, there's just, there's, well, there's this, a lot of trucks that don't come with a rear sway bar, for example. Well, what I, okay, right. So I'm, I'm wondering, does, it, did it, does it ever yeah. surprise you that the OEs are still not supplying the vehicles with the stock? Don't say that out loud. Oh, well, she wants, she likes that. Well, I know she does, but it's, uh, every once in a while she's I like, do like that. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Honestly, like they can't make a vehicle that's for everyone. Right. Like I just, they, it's vanilla. 
they make very cool cars. So I'm not saying that, right? Like, and I drive a a Raptor. Of course it has our suspension on it, but (laughs) that stock, that is almost stock, (laughs) right? So like Ford made a freaking really cool vehicle, but they built that for a very, very specific niche, right? So you can't build something for everyone. So I think that's what's kind of beautiful about the aftermarket is there's like room for all of us to come in and make the vehicle better. And so there are people, maybe aren't going to push their vehicle like we are. And so they're, you know, they don't necessarily like think about that or need it. And so I think that's why um, they haven't gotten into that space either. Um, yeah, they're, and they're it's building an awesome for, opportunity for me. Yeah, they're building for the lowest common denominator of customer, really. And then you guys are allowing the customer who needs that more, you can be the uh, the one-stop shop to prov- provide that, especially if they're towing or hauling. I know we haven't talked about payload too much, but payload, especially like these sliding campers, maybe you never have a, 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 a hitch on the bumper ever in the history of the truck, but you have a sliding camper or an, or uh, like a four-wheel pop-up camper or something like that that has a higher center of gravity and is maxed out on payload. Well, that's when your yeah. products come. I mean, that's that's a huge upgrade uh, to put a set of yeah. hellers on you weren't at that big bear event, um, that overland, uh, experience, but everyone has a rooftop tent these days. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was talking to some other folks and, you know, who are, are writers in this, in the aftermarket space. And one of them was like, Oh, I just thought I could put a rooftop tent and that's all I'd have to do. But you don't realize all the other things that need to go with that. Right. Like I, he was like, I think I'm going to need, sway bars like front and rear i'm like you will have a much better experience if you do that because you get all of that high center of gravity and the vehicle it will sway and it will make you so uncomfortable you get a lot of head toss on the leverage i mean yeah the the lightest of the rooftop tents you know are it it, save for like a, a go fast campers um ultralight is probably around 120 pounds and you put some things in there like you know some yeah. electronics or solar panels or crossbars, but a lot of people also don't take into account you have to have a roof rack, you have to have crossbars, you have to have yeah. a tent, and then once all that's up there, you have approximately 200 pounds with the roof rack and crossbars or however your setup is above your like another eight inches above your head above the mm-hmm. vehicle, and now you're trying to go off road and be off camber and things like that. And, and God forbid there's a crosswind. Uh, well, yeah. Although I'll tell you, with my old uh, Jeep, when I had the uh, the rooftop tent on it, tailwinds mm-hmm. were awesome. I had like a thirty mile an hour tailwind, <laughs> and you had like ninety miles per gallon. No, I was getting like twenty one miles per gallon, <laughs> right? and it sounded like I was in a, a deprivation chamber. There was no wind noise, oh. and it was like, man, this is the nicest my Jeep's ever. Great fuel economy, and I don't hear any noise. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> Highly recommended That's if you amazing. could ever uh, follow the jet stream. Well, that, yeah, you can only totally. go one direction forever. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, forever, <laughs> honey. I'm never coming home. I'm going to follow the wind. Exactly. That's right. So I, I wanted yeah. I want to talk about Melanie's uh, credentials because uh, right now she's the current chair elect for the SEMA Board of Directors, which that election process just happened not too long ago, right? Just a few months ago. I was inducted in uh, July as the okay. incoming chair. So yeah, not so, yeah. too long ago. So that's she, a big she, deal. Uh, she smoked our friend uh, Miles Kovacs, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, she did. From Dub Magazine <laughs> and, and, and uh, 
20 inches strong and all those yeah yeah but was yeah was miles one of the first 35 under 35 young and rising talents in back in uh 2012 for sema i i don't know was he named sema person of the year in 2018 nope was he a, the sema businesswoman of the year in 20 uh <laughs> I would say no, Miles was not. The well, well, just, well, that's what I'm saying. Was he also the chair of the Truck and Off-Road Alliance, Toro, which I've uh, done some SEMA work for in hosting panels and I'm things like that. I'm surprised that you're not an official member of Tora. Uh, I, I think Mac, Mike Spagnola just lets me hang just, out at SEMA. Yeah. Now, now that I don't have a, uh, a, a mother, I guess I have a mothership. I don't know. I, I yeah. need to figure out what my what my SEMA standing is. What are you now. talking about? See, this this truck show podcast. You well, understand? We're like, media. We're lucky because we don't have to, we don't have to pay the fees. It's legitimate. Do, do you think our friend Melanie might be able to make sure that we can become members and stuff like that For, of Torah? Yeah, <laughs> I think Sema. she might be able to help us out. Yeah. So <laughs> I we, think I might know someone. Okay. Good. So Mel, uh, <laughs> to tell for for all of our listeners that hear about SEMA all the time. The SEMA Show, The SEMA Show. It's both an organization that helps aftermarket companies, and it's also the big show, which we all talk about, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks. For What does SEMA in mean? In a couple of weeks. Isn't that, that crazy? It's freaking nuts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Everyone it's is in nuts. full SEMA crunch right now. Yeah. I'm at SEMA crunch. Yeah. I, I, you know, I work at banks during the day. We're preparing a vehicle and all that stuff. Anyway, what does it mean for you? And then what do you think it means to the consumer ultimately? How does... The SEMA, uh, Specialty Equipment Market Association, how does that trickle down to the average listener? I feel like SEMA is like the it's like the beginning of the year for, every, for our, uh, our aftermarket, right? Like it's where people go to launch new products. It's where you're launching like new programs. You're talking about new stuff. So I feel like it's like this pivotal experience. But there's so much that happens outside of just the show. I mean, the show is just, you know, where you're going to see trends happening. A few years ago, I remember, like, there were maybe, like, one or two rooftop tents in the um, in the truck hall. And then it, the last year, I don't think I could find a truck without one on it. So it's interesting, like, to see trends happen. But I also would then see them on the road more often, too. So... Uh, like that, I believe, is like the spot where like you'll start to see what's happening and you'll see new products. Uh, you'll see new folks and new companies in the market. Like it's a really fun experience. I think the other thing, though, is like it's 365 days of the year is like seen as working, right? It's not just that the show itself. And this show like allows us to have this like footprint to be able to like have advocates. There's a, a SEMA DC office. So they're there in DC. I'm actually going to be in DC next week and I get to meet with some of the SEMA team and we're, they're going to uh, set up a meeting with a congressman next week with me to talk about Helwig and, uh, and our association. And so it's really cool to see like all of the influence that we're able to have. And we, I I feel like we're under this pressure right now where we have to protect our right to modify vehicles and to have like drive vehicles that are modified and to be able to do it ourselves too. I mean, there's all kinds of pressures happening right now and SEMA works really hard on our behalf the rest of the year on, so, so one of those things that you're talking about that is being advocated for in recent years is the RPM Act. So a lot of people listening might go, well, but how does it affect me as an enthusiast? 
Well, if it weren't for SEMA lobbying and trying to get the rules to change so that we could put exhaust and suspension and modify our vehicles, our hobby would completely go away. There isn't another organization the size and scale of SEMA that's fighting for your rights as an enthusiast. There just isn't. Not in the automotive world. No, there isn't. And it's necessary, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's like my right. Like, <laughs> as a as an American, I want to I want to be able to modify my vehicle. I want to be able to make the changes I want. So, um, and that's being threatened right now. It started with everyone knows about emissions control systems. That's the you know rolling coal and all this stuff. But it extends farther than that. It it, it might even eventually get to suspension, like. You can only uh, build a vehicle if it has such such and such aerodynamics because it needs to get X many uh, miles per gallon and it could affect the whole vehicle. Like they can ultimately reach into every part of the aftermarket, not just something that affects clean air, right? No, it could be something like, oh, your tires are too aggressive, so now your rolling resistance is too high. Bingo. And so now we're going to control what tires you have. Oh, those wheels that are made heavy-duty for off-roading, well, they're too heavy because the rolling mass is, is bigger, and that slows down the efficiency. Oh, you uh, you want to do some suspension? Oh, well, you can't lower or raise it anymore, right? I mean, you just because on your, and on. your headlights will yeah. be too high or too right. low and blind yeah. someone. It, it, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a it's a slippery yeah. slope. A lot, you know, that that takes us away from from doing the things that we love to do. And and part, I mean, cars are ingrained in the United States like they are uh, aren't in any other country in the world. America was always a massive landscape with you know cities far apart. It wasn't like some places where it was a metropolis that grew out or it was a lot of tiny countries. And so cars are ingrained in the fabric of the country. I mean, that's that's who we are. And it's our ultimate, you know, um, expression of freedom is the automobile. Mm-hmm. And you have people yeah. who come from countries that are even similar in a lot of ways, but not totally the same as the United States, like maybe Australia, um, but in, in European countries. And you have them coming here going... This is amazing. Well, the Australians are always like, look at that lifted truck. Well, like, yeah. What's up with that? Because they can only do like, what, two inches yeah. or something yeah. like that? I mean, so they're looking at something on 40s and they're just like blown away. How can you guys have it? It's like, shh, just stop talking yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> just enjoy. Enjoy enjoy without uh, without speaking about While it. While you can. Now, one of the things that I'm always curious about when I talk to somebody who's a business owner, uh, especially a small business owner, as I have become a small business owner and realized, by the way, oh, her, by the way, Melanie's small business is a little bigger than yours. It's, about, it's probably about four thousand times bigger than my small business. Uh-huh. My small business is very small. It's it's. I'm like, hmm, can we afford Dr Pepper for the studio this week? Like that's that's, that's my budget right now. Well, Holman is scrappy. Yeah. So, um, well, fortunately, you can uh, you can loot now and not go to jail. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's really easy to go get Dr Pepper. Just say I'm homeless. And yeah, I, yeah. Well, I look homeless yeah. with my beard, right? Yes, so, you do. And I am disheveled from being in the desert for a week. Um, so one of the things that I'm constantly int- uh, fascinated by is owning a business in California. Your your family has had the business here forever, but not only do you mm-hmm. own a business here, you manufacture here. And it's like California used to be the epicenter of manufacturing, whether it was automobiles. Aerospace. Whether it was aerospace. I mean, you think mm-hmm. every C-17, DC-10, MD-11, 707, MD-88, 90, those eight, uh, series, uh, DC-9, 717, all of those came from California. You think of Palmdale and the SR-71 and the B-2 bombers. You think of all the automotive manufacturing here. And as time marched on and California has decided that they don't like business, I can't imagine how hard it is for a manufacturing company 
to keep it together and, and still make their products here and be able to survive. And maybe, you know, we've got a lot of people listening who are small business owners. I'd love to get your, your take on some of the challenges, but also how you persevere. Cause this is a lot of people tell me, well, just move. I'm like, why would I move? My, my mom and dad live a mile from me. All my family's here. I it's seventy yeah. degrees year round. I'm two miles from the beach. Well, like today, I, today was just under eighty. Yeah, right. I I can deal with a lot of stuff because I it's it's pretty awesome to live here, and car culture yeah. is still here, right? So I'm not leaving. So somebody like you who's been here your whole life as well, wh- what are the challenges and what are some of the things that you're doing to to mitigate it so that you can survive as a business? Yeah, I think it's really interesting that you bring that up too. And like, we've seen the whole evolution, right? So we were here when it was the Wild West and there were like basically no rules. I have this picture of someone uh, who was bending because we're heat treated hot formed. We have these like crazy hot furnaces and there's someone like bending metal. It's a black and white photo but they're bending it and then putting it in an oil tank, but they're smoking while they're doing <laughs> yeah. it. But I feel like that's the epitome though, of, uh, right where we started here in California and just like we've flip-flopped completely the opposite. Um, and it's not like home of the free, right, anymore. And especially in California, it feels like that. But I'm with you. My family all lives here. I don't want to move. I don't have, I'm not two miles from the beach like you, but. We grow everything where I live, and it's like I, it's awesome. I don't want to move from here. Yeah, you guys are in Visalia, so, which is the Central Valley, which is really the bed, the breadbasket of a of uh, America. I mean, all all your fruits and vegetables and all that kind of stuff. All the yeah. almonds come yeah. up from there, like those wine. Country. Are we gonna do yeah. the almonds versus almonds thing? Is that what that was? Almonds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Melanie, is it almonds or almonds? It's almonds. Thank you. What did you say with the L or no L? Yeah, L. There's an L almonds, in the word. Almonds. Almonds. That's almonds. what you said. Almonds. almonds. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, so almonds. hey, uh, your yeah. your your little cutie oranges come from here. We got mm-hmm. also we had all sorts yeah. of stuff. Anyway, the Central Valley uh, is is flush with amazing produce, and they have everything but water. Well, that's also because of politics, sadly. I love when you go up the Fife Freeway and it's all the, like, hate Newsom. Yeah. Uh, everything is anti-Newsom totally. all the way up to Central, Central Valley. He's like, give us our water back or we'll cut off your food. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh. totally. There's plenty of challenges, but I think the big thing is just making sure we're a team. I think the big thing is is that we focus on that. And we used to say family, but um, I, we talk about team a lot more because I feel like we're like a football team, right? We got people on defense, we got people on offense, and we all got to work together. Who, what's your longest tenured employee at Hellwig? We just had someone retire at the end of July, and they had been with the company for 40 years. Oh, so wow. That's about cool. 40 years. And I have someone who's younger than me. So um, I, I do, uh, we give away like shirts for your anniversary every year. It's like a Hellwig shirt. Um, they're coveted because you can only get them if you've worked at Hellwig. Um, and they change every year. So um, I give away shirts uh we do as a company, but I love to do it because I get to see like, how long has this person been here? And someone who is younger than me just celebrated 25 years at Hellwig. And then another person just turned 21. I'm like, if you were, uh, you know, you could drink at this point. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was giving someone, I was like, if you were a person, you could vote now. Yeah, congratulations. But the Central Valley is a group of like hardworking people too. Uh, I think it's also right that like agriculture area. So it's not hard to find people who are, are willing to like put in that hard work too. How many employees does Hellwood currently have? We have 46. So you're okay. still, still a, a small, I mean, that really is running like a family business at that point. Like you probably mm-hmm. know everybody and, and that's a, that's a tight group of people. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. How, how long does it's it take awesome. you to launch a, a new product? So you bring in a brand new, like for example, the, the, the new Tacoma's coming out. Yep. Soon as you can get your hands on a Tacoma, you're going to inspect it. You're going to probably 3D scan it or however you bring it into the computer or do you do it old school? I don't, I don't I'm curious how you uh, do the prototyping. Um, and like we kind of do both, oh, yeah. And so, what we is play it? With both. What does it take to time wise to get uh, you get the new Tacoma in on a Monday, and then is it six months, a year, a couple days? How does it long does it take you to get a finished product boxed up to a, a consumer? Yeah, so to a consumer, that process is probably closer to like a few months. Is everything the same chromoly, or do you choose different materials for different? strengths or and obviously different sizes as well and you're trying to get different spring rates your bars hollow or solid they're all solid so most of our bars are solid 41 40 the only ones that are not so there is a caveat we do have some car bars that are tubular so we okay. do um tubular bars as well is but that for really strength known. is that for strength or weight or you're trying to get the right weight. spring rate okay weight weight gotcha yeah um, yeah, so chromoly is heavy, right? But it's a game changer versus like a, a tubular or a, a lighter weight steel, right? So um, we use 4140 chromoly steel. We um, heat it up. We're heat treated, hot formed. And so that process allows the, the bar to be really, um, I don't want to say rigid because it's not rigid. It still allows you that flexibility in the vehicle, but it allows that um, it to constantly go back to its original form. So it really is like this uh, ability to like have longevity in your um, your sway bar. And we stand behind our product. I mean, it'll be something that there's like two things my grandpa was hell bent on that will never change. Right? Is that we have a lifetime warranty on all of our steel products. And then uh, someone will answer the phone when you call. <laughs> we don't put you through like that, uh, you know, that hell of um, press one. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, yeah, two, totally. <laughs> two things you brought up that that I think are important to to touch on. One is the uh, the flexibility. Obviously, you're creating a spring steel torsion bar that has to return to its sh- shape, and it's on mm-hmm. two ends of a suspension. So it's every time you drive, every pothole, every undulation, every crown mm-hmm. on the road, that bar is working back and forth. So it's important to have the right steel for that and for something that it can have a lifetime warranty because its whole service life, it's constantly being twisted back and forth. I can't do that with the you know top of an aluminum uh, can without it breaking off. And here you guys have you know eight thousand pounds or whatever the force is on this big old truck going down the road, and it's twisting back and forth. The other thing I wanted to say, and you talk about being formed. Once you get the shape, do you have like a jig so you can so from a manufacturing so it's, repeatable? it's repeatable from manufacturing process. Yeah, so we have all of our bars have um, their own dies, so um, so that we get that shape every time. So Homan, I don't know that you know this. Okay. You know, you saw the Humvee 
at Banks. I did. That is being hybridized uh-huh. for the U.S. Army. Yep. Guess what kind of sway bars are on that? I'm guessing Helwig because yes, they, sir. they do do military stuff. They do. Yes. Custom for this particular application. There was going to be so much weight in batteries. Oh, so did you uh, do yeah. a little phone call and say wink, wink, nod, nod? So, no, I didn't. Uh, oh, so that's just one, happenstance. N- n- one of our, I'm saying, I didn't. I didn't. What oh, I'm saying is, gosh. so it was Matt, one of Matt, you remember Matt Gamble. Of one of his team is working on this and they called in all the specs and they were stunned. I'm not joking. I remember when it showed up, they're like, we ordered this like a week ago and it's here. Like all the specs to a T, perfect, fit like a jam. And what is it like to fit like a jam? It's just perfect. Like it just, maybe that's wrong. <laughs> that sounded really weird. <laughs> fit like a jam? It's, it's like, it's my jam. I don't know what I meant by fit that. Fit like a glove? Fit like a glove. Okay. Yeah, like, fit like a glove. <laughs> just I'm checking. Making, I'm making up new sayings. I, I, I'm just double checking. Just go with me. On this. I'm going with you. Yeah, fit like a jam. Just okay. go. Are we now? Yeah, let's just start using it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fit like a jam. coined here on the uh, yeah. Truck Show podcast. So I was going to bring up uh, new products because I know you've got a couple. I know one of them is uh, for the Bronco crowd. You've got sway bars yeah. uh, out for that. And then it, maybe talk about those and what else is on the way that our listeners can look forward to. Um, yeah. So we have the Bronco. Uh, we're getting into I, this might not be your crowd, but maybe someone, uh, you know, in the household drives one. But we have like the Tesla um, 3 and Y coming out. And then, well, uh, Mel, we let me pause have... you for a second. Hold on. Which one did you off road? You wrote in, was there a sway bars on that? Do you know? There was a sway bar on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I did. Did uh, it help? Yeah. No, those, those cars, I mean, they're good because the, from the standpoint of center of gravity is really low to the ground. But mm-hmm. when you start flinging them around, just like most stock vehicles, I, I think the manufacturers try to bias on the side of safe understeer. And a lot of people in performance cars really like that oversteer where you can steer at the throttle or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that's the perfect place for the sway bar upgrade because that car has a lot of performance. And I'd love to kick the rear out if I couldn't drift around a corner. Well, what? you know, we're coming out. It has a, um, a two-hole adjustable. So, you know, you can get that flexibility, too, of what you um, – how stiff you want it. So if you want more um, oversteer or understeer, you know, you can model it to what you want. We have the Gen 3 Raptor coming out, too. Oh, very cool. Nice. And that goes back to yeah. Raptor's a perfect example of, of talking about the flexibility versus rigid. A lot of people think that if you put a sway bar on that your vehicle isn't going to be able to flex anymore. And that's not the case. And with you guys, you do offer the adjustment where you could set it stiffer or looser. So, for example, mm-hmm. on Jay's TRX, I'm sorry, Lightning. Lightnings. Uh, or <laughs> I did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, or on the Raptor, I'm sure you probably have the two or three hole setup as well. Where off-road, you might just change the end-link position, and then you go out, it takes yep. five minutes, and then when you're back on the road, you move the end-link position, and boom, you're back into more of a streetable, everyday driving characteristics, and you can really have the best of both worlds. And it's it's better for those people who do get a Raptor, TRX, a truck that is really flexy, wallowy, soft from the factory because it's got long travel suspension and it has to soak up mm-hmm. you know, everything. But if you're driving it as a daily or you carry payload in the back, you definitely want to add some stability because I think as a stock truck, nothing in the back, like they're livable. But as soon as you start putting weight, it's very apparent, very quick that they don't have as much overhead as their, you know, non-performance variants. Yeah, for sure. Um, And the Raptor too. So like I tow with my Raptor, so I have helper springs on it. What I didn't realize that the helper springs would uh, also help me with, I mean, I knew they helped with wheel hop. I just didn't know. There's this one 
spot that I could, if I don't, it goes from a two lane to a one lane. And if I don't get the right uh, jump, I will get stuck behind someone who wants to go much slower than me. And I'd get wheel hop and I'd sometimes lose my position. And so I, we had put helpers on because I'm towing and, uh, and we were testing out some new products and stuff too. But I realized that that also helps with my, my wheel hop. So like took it away and, um, and no one beats me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember on the second gen Raptor, uh, they were notorious for having really bad wheel hop and skate. So if you were doing like a decreasing radius turn, like on a freeway on ramp, and it had broken pavement because the truck was in front of you, oh, it would just yeah. chatter. It would chatter and slide, uh, and it would just you would feel the yeah. whole chassis want to rotate around the turn. Really That's uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially when you're merging, like you yeah. have to accelerate on this on ramp to get on the freeway. But the faster you go, the worse the handling gets in that situation. I always Ooh. thought that was really weird. On that, that pre live valve second gen Raptors were n- notorious for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I have a second gen, so that makes sense that, yeah, I, I've experienced that. Yeah, and it's no bueno. Have you had requests for mm-hmm. Rivian yet? I haven't. It's um, And I just was with um, a group who had Rivian, but it's a whole different setup underneath. So we haven't been able to really look at it, but, you know, I, I can't help myself. I peek underneath. <laughs> um, I think someone even got a picture of me peeking underneath. Um, I so, um, but it's it's a very different suspension setup. Yeah, they, they um, do it like a virtual cross link sway bar setup, and so there's it's all the wheels are hydraulically cross linked. Oh, so it's they've like a McLaren. It, yeah. They've made it really hard on. Uh, yeah, on it, it, you, well, they make it hard on mm-hmm. everybody. You nobody's modifying a Rivian suspension. Okay, it's uh, it's very mm-hmm. it's very much like a the McLaren air over hydraulic setup, mm. but with more travel and setup for trucks. So. It's a, it's a very interesting uh, platform, that's for sure. So for people, uh, for our listeners that want to look at helper springs or sway bars for their truck, they go to hellwigproducts.com. That's H-E-L-L-W-I-G products.com. And you simply hit their vehicle lookup, your make and model. It'll drop down a list of everything they have for their truck. If they have something that's not listed for their truck or their Jeep or their car now, because you Tesla and all sorts of other applications, can they request something of you? Yeah. A new a new application? I mean, we'll send it in, right? That might be something that we're working on that we could uh, clue you in on. So yeah, for sure. Send in a request. We have like a customer service or a customer, yeah, a customer service email on there um, and a contact us log. Um, and we're happy to to hear what people are wanting out there. So yeah, if there's not if there's something we don't make, uh, we'd love to know that you want it. And by the way, they uh, just so we cover the gamut: muscle cars, trucks and SUVs, fleet, off road, UTVs, and RVs. So you think oh, of those RVs? RVs. That's huge. Where you yes. would definitely want uh, sway bar and RV chassis. So I know a lot of guys uh, who are listening to the show are going, "Oh, I could use that upgrade on my uh, fourth vehicle we have some listeners thinking right now i wonder if they have bulk discounts i have like like six (laughs) trucks and such in my uh driveway that all need these well i can tell you this yeah exactly if you call 1-800-HELWIG somebody will answer the phone and maybe answer that question for you yeah they will answer the a real human (laughs) 
All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you making the time for us, and thanks for supporting the Truck Show podcast. We uh, we love the products. Obviously, uh, Lightning and I have both uh, been customers and users of the product for a long time, and uh, we we love the brand. And great to see the family business still thriving four generations in. That's pretty exciting. I think I love that she's keeping it real. Ah. Who Mel? Yeah, um, Mel's keeping it real. <laughs> okay, but how do you keep it real? <laughs> Just you are. You, you can't. No, 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 no. Okay. no. How do you keep it real? Like keeping it real, it can't be explained. You either are keeping it real, okay. or you're not. He's basically saying you're authentic, and the fact that you're saying, "Well, how do I keep it real?" that you don't even know is perfect. That's, That's exactly feeds right okay. into okay. him. Okay. It's like as I said, it's just like being cool, right? If someone goes, "I need to be no, cool," no, 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 you I, can't, I'm yeah, going yeah. to the mall and you I'm going to buy something to make me cool. You can't self-proclaim cool. Somebody That's else exactly has to tell you. Exactly what I'm saying. Yes. You can't do that. You can't go. I'm just saying it in a way that people can understand. I'm going to go to Tilly's or yeah. Pacific Sunwear, and I'm going to buy some cool board shorts. Sorry, bro. There's no way you're going to yeah. end up cool walking out of that store. But if you want to be cool, hellwoodproducts.com. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Thank awesome. you, guys. Well, we will see you in a uh, in a few weeks at the uh, SEMA show. And I'm sure you'll be too busy to say hello, but I'll still try and find you for our SEMA selfie. She'll wink from across the uh, the aisle. I'll wave. Ooh, no, hey, we I better know you. do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we have to keep the tradition going for the SEMA selfie. So I know. It's, be better. It's, it's, it's well over a decade in. We can't stop now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Talk to you. You know what's up, Holman? Uh, what's up with that? You can't say what's up with that. You need to say what's up. What's up? Truck news. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Solid. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? How about no? No. Looks like uh, the Nissan Armada has been caught testing, and uh, they anticipate the 5.6 liter V8 being dropped uh, in favor of a twin turbo V6, producing about 424 horsepower, which is 24 more than the outgoing uh, V8. Of course, it'll be backed by Nissan's nine speed Jatco automatic transmission, which replaces the existing seven speed unit. From the uh, spy photos, looks like the uh, next gen Armada will have uh, better materials inside and a uh, even bigger screen than the 12.3 inch one that it has today. Dang, so, uh, how big is it? I don't know. Everything's like, like screen crazy. Or yeah, I, I got my uh, my new to me car. You, what do you mean you're new to you? Car? In the, you passed it the driveway. You're talking about the that that CRV or whatever. Yeah, out there? dude, that thing's awesome. What do you tell you? You're new. That's my new car. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yeah, that thing's that thing's a baller car. Well, stop, stop, stop. That's not your car. It's my car. Yeah, that was that was your father's car. That was my mom's car. Your mom's car. Yeah, that's, now it's my car. I don't understand. That's Marin's first car. Oh, it is. Yeah, 2016 CRV with 48,000 miles. Things like practically brand new. It is practically. Well, when you say it's your car, okay, it's your daughter's car. Uh, I've got the title. Well, and she doesn't have a license, I mean, so I, right now it's my car. I get that, but don't you can't drive around a CRV. That will totally. No, I, I have been. That's I, that's the new dad taxi right there. I put no, Abby's car no, seat in the back. No, no, yes. no, no. That's the no weeder taxi. I'm I'm getting you got almost double the fuel economy in that than I do in the city with the 392. I don't know. It's it's so awesome. Zero dude. manhood in that thing. I don't care. Visibility is great. Oh. And it has. I, I the oh, reason I bring it up on. is it has two screens. One is like a little four-inch screen, and one's like a five-inch screen. Dude, 
you are never allowed to make fun of me again for anything I drive ever if you're driving around a CRV. Why? That's a freaking Pepsi can. No, it's not. That's a Dr. Pepper can. It's literally the same color as a Dr. Pepper can. Dude, quiet. I pulled up and I thought, oh, his dad's here. No. No, ride's great. Yeah. Dude, awesome. I'm so disappointed in you. No. You know what, dude? I'm uh, so, I, I, uh, so let down I come from a right long in. line of Hondas. I, don't, I didn't I, say Hondas were bad. I have freaking, multiple Hondas. Listen, it's 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 the functional family car. That thing is the best, like, around town car. You just get in. Your butt is at the exact same height as the seat. You just slide right in. All open. It's got. A, that's a touring. It's got the full moonroof. Nothing and AC, you can. Nothing you everything. can say oh, will convince me that that's great a visibility. Cool car. I don't care. I didn't say it was cool. I said it was perfect. You shouldn't be it's in a car that's stupid. No, it's not stupid. Yeah, yeah, it's not stupid. When I'm paying seven dollars a gallon for gas, and that thing takes regular and gets thirty-four miles per gallon, it doesn't feel very stupid to my pocketbook. No, you're just, dude. You're laming you're, yourself up. You're no. You're you're saying that because you actually have a job with a regular paycheck, and I don't. So. <laughs> I need every bit of that uh, extra fuel economy. Freaking bicycle. I have one of those, too. <laughs> I'm about ready to sell a Vans one to... Uh, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. I bought that I know. Well, don't. It? <laughs> it's talking about, you better not sell that you bike. Want, you want this thing to collapse around us. I'll go the record vi- this podcast the, in my bedroom. The, you're not selling the Vans well, SE Ripper. Holman the big, at the big Truck Ripper Show is, podcast. If you're interested in a limited edition Vans Big Ripper, that's super with douchey. the mash, uh, matching shoes. I've got old school matching shoes. I bought with it. That's super. Haven't been worn you yet. better not do that. Hey, listen, if that's my survival or not, no, it's not. You, I'm just saying. You have you've gone on vacations. You've uh-huh. done stuff with your kids. You've yeah. gone like movies. You could save yeah. that money. I did all that when I had a job. You're doing that now. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. What vacation I've seen on? you spend money that you didn't need to spend money on. Oh, now you're my accountant. I'm saying you don't need to sell that freaking bike. I'm saying I got a CRV and it's allowing me to uh, buy lunch every now and again. My mom and dad are awesome. Uh, your mom, your mom and dad are awesome. Yeah, but also it's a ploy to get my kid to finish her freaking permit because if I'm driving her car around, she's gonna be like. Oh, so I picked her up at high school the other day. That She's like, matter. what What car are you in? I'm like, yours. You'll see. And she pulls up. I go, like my new car? And she's like, huh. <laughs> so maybe that'll motivate her a little bit. I don't know. She's, she, but she wanted a cool car. She wanted like an old VW. Or she something has one. We have co- to build it, though. I don't have any money to build but a VW. This is not. This is, this is total transport. Dude, that car her. will take her through college. I get it, but not in style. Yeah, that's a touring it's got oh, 18s it's on it. It's a CRV. It's got 18s on. It's got a moonroof. It's got privacy glass. It's got leather. It's got nav. I'm not listening. Dude, it has adaptive cruise control. I'm tuning out. It's rad. Are we still talking about a CRV? I don't know. You just you're so angry that you won't let this topic end. So are we done? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? No, wait. Nope. Uh, apparently, the Ford Maverick outsold the Ford Ranger over three to one in Q3 of 2023. The Maverick outsold the Ranger by a lot. Hmm. Hmm. It's a cool little truck. I'm not. I mean, we were go back to we that episode it. where we wanted to hate it. We couldn't. We we fell in love with it. My son, who's in his first year of college now, he's like, I want a truck, and I'm thinking, Oh man, the Maverick or a Frontier? That's really yeah. Maverick sold uh, twenty three thousand nine hundred thirty one in uh, Q three. I thought it was interesting. The Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is sort of the closest thing to the Maverick, only sold nine thousand because it's lame. Well, it, it's 
definitely lamer than my CRV. And it's a Hyundai. Like it's a different. Yeah. You can still be a truck guy at heart because it's a Ford. Well, check this out. But you can't be. I'm a. I'm a truck guy, and it's a Hyundai. It isn't. That doesn't jive. GMC Canyon, seventy six hundred. Mm. Ford Ranger, seventy three hundred, down forty percent. So I don't know if that if that's because people know that the uh, the new one's coming. Nissan Frontier, eleven thousand seven hundred and fifty six. So year to date sales on the Frontier, forty five thousand. Ford Ranger, thirty one. Honda Ridgeline, twelve thousand Q three year to date, thirty nine thousand five hundred. So Frontier still beats that. Next one up, Jeep Gladiator, fourteen thousand in Q three. Year-to-date sales, 41000 hmm. Then uh, two and three, the Chevy Colorado, killing it, 58000 And then, of course, the Tacoma, that just won't die, 179000 year-to-date. I believe it. I mean, people just, that's a lot of pedal monsters so for I, you. I, I'm not going to talk about it much in detail because I didn't spend a ton of time up there, but I was in Big Bear again for the Toyo Trail Pass. You mean the Toyota Trail Pass? It was, that's I'm, exactly uh-huh. what was going. It was the Toyota Trail Pass. Yep. It's Toyotaville up there. It's insane. Everywhere I go now, that's all I can see yeah, is I know. Tacomas I know. everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, just to give you the year-to-dates, the uh, Santa Cruz at 29000 the Ford Maverick at 66400 and then uh, on the big trucks, you might be interested to find out, so uh, the uh, Nissan Titan at 4857 a 280% change. Their year-to-date is 15000 They've got to be stoked. Well, That's but, all Truck Show Podcast. That's, that's all of our listeners. For Thank sure. you. Yeah. But uh, they've announced the Titan is, uh, is going away, so there might be people picking up those trucks. The... Uh, Toyota Tundra is $32,900. Year-to-date is $92,000. The GMC Sierra uh, in Q3 did $73,000, uh, up 45%. But that new redesign is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, $216,000. The Ram, $109,000 uh, in Q3. Year-to-date, $332,000. Wow. Chevy Silverado, one hundred and forty-three thousand. Wait a minute, can I? Can you stop? Go get. Go back for one yeah. second. The Ram at three hundred thirty-two thousand. Uh-huh. That includes. I get it, but that includes full-size trucks. All full-size. Yes, heavy okay. duty, light duty. Wow. Chevy Silverado one forty-three four hundred. They're up twenty-two percent again. I think the redesign's helping them there. Four hundred eleven thousand, and then of course the top dog. Q three sales mm-hmm. for the Ford F series. One hundred ninety thousand four hundred seventy-seven year-to-date sales. 573,000 F-Series. Dang. Dang. Dang, son. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? What you talking about, Willis? Uh, the Ram 1500s are starting to uh, be seen out in the wild with camo. Uh, so they have the big stupid mirrors on the 1500 as, as well, and they look mm-hmm. super dumb. Yeah. There's some... Um theories going around the TRX groups that uh, the new TRX will have those mirrors and I go, no. They've already shown a spy photo with those mirrors on it. But right now, the TRX, you already know. You can order them. They'll be, they, they won't be standard. They'll be the towing mirror. Optional. <sighs> so, like, why do you care? I just don't. You're the one who ordered towing mirrors on your Ram on accident. Accidentally. Yeah. But look at how big they look on a 1500. They're just dumb. That's giant Dumbo ears. Yeah, they look. Stop it, Ram. Yeah. Come on. I love you, but stop yeah, it. Yeah, those mirrors are stupid. Mm. Uh, anyway, minor uh, front fascia changes. The rest of the truck will remain the same. The big news, though, is uh, we're seeing pictures from the inside now. And it looks pretty similar to today's truck. But uh, the uh, the big thing is these are the um, 3.0 liter twin turbo hurricane powered oh. vehicle. So. Uh, 
Very interesting uh, paisley wrap they've got on there. Yeah, to confuse the camera. And you can mm-hmm. also see that the uh, taillights are new, have some uh, scalloping <gasps> oh, to them as well. check this out. So if you look, Holman, at the exhaust pipe, it's got a piece fabbed on to the end with like a um, a quick disconnect. Yeah, we so partnered can... with a team at Motor Trend that used our test fleet. To so they've got that. a PEM, so portable mm-hmm. emissions uh, basic system, that they can put into the, uh, the trailer hitch and carry this giant... Well, I guess it's not. It's giant like a spider. backpack thing. It looks like a Ghostbusters backpack. That's, it kind of looks like a generator, that, so to speak, yeah. that's collecting all the emissions, uh, looking at soot and knocks and all that good stuff. That's interesting. I haven't seen that before. Hey, lighting! Did you hear? Oh man, Star Wars! I uh, are you watching Loki? Loki just came out. No, I don't. New season? I think they ruined the franchise. Oh man, there's so horrible. Good, so many good Star Wars shows. The, the drive is talking about that uh, one uh, forty-one thousand dollar Rivian fender bender. People were talking about. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the dude just took it in for paintless dent removal, and it looks like nothing ever happened to it. <laughs> I have recently been following these two dudes that do nothing but paintless dent it's removal. Amazing, and it's it's cathartic fa- to watch. Yeah, it is. Dude. It's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, a buddy of mine, uh, one of our bank's customers, he, uh, he's, he's got an, um, just a gorgeous garnet red 2018 Duramax L5P. It's uh-huh. so cherry. I think I've so- shown it to you before. It's just it's awesome dude, Bob. is great. Anyway, so he bought his wife a BMW X6. Okay. Right? Love, she didn't like it. He inherited it. So now he's got two really dope trucks, cars, whatever. And he got sideswiped. Uh-huh. And it was the... A $35,000 fix-it bill. $35,000. And because it was like a $120,000 car. Not going to be totaled. Nope, they wouldn't total it. And if, if the airbags had gone off, they probably would have totaled it, but they didn't. So Did he try and run into something else? Just to- no, no, but it's crazy. You watch his dash cam video. He gets hit from the left. It kind of skids him out. He ends up hitting the person to his right oh, as well. That sucks. And then he's sitting there kind of in the intersection waiting the car that hit him backs up so now he's free from that car and he's just sitting there and all of a sudden his car starts to lurch forward and he's going like wait why is my car moving forward the car to the right was connected to his bumper was dragging him forward trying to leave the scene of Uh, the accident i wouldn't want that car and it happened so the dude dragged him about 10 feet through the intersection and then it let go of his bumper and the guy sped off like they're kissing with braces on or something yeah it's exactly right hey lighting did you hear no nope our uh, buddy scott birdsall uh, has been teasing his Land Speed Toyota with the 2JZ in it, and it looks freaking yes. awesome. Yes. Well, it's more yes than that. I don't know if you have a better yes than... Yes. Give me a good yes, Lightning! All right, I'm going to make my own yes. F*** yeah! <laughs> oh, by the way, I don't have neighbors anymore, so... Oh, good. They, they, they never moved in. They didn't? No, they, they live they, in Utah. They, the house is basically just sitting there now. Really? So we can yell all we want in the pod shed. Well, that's, that's good My, my wife can hear us outside, uh, upstairs, but... Uh, so anyway, look at this thing. How By the way, you're that? telling me about an article that I set up for him. I called Caleb at the drive and said, hey, do you know about Scott's car? And uh-huh. he goes, well, I didn't know it was ready. I said, call him next Wednesday at 9 a.m. And he did. And there's the article. So you're welcome, Scott. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I don't know about thanks for nothing. We could call the guy right now. He's talking, gladly talking to I mean, to we should. Uh, so he... Wait, did you send him Truck Show podcast stickers? Because remember he said he would run a Truck Show podcast sticker on that thing? No, I forgot. Send it to him. I will. Now. I will. No, yesterday. 
I will do it. send him one. I, I want to make a cool. You owe me like four different things. I want to make him a cool die cut no, version though. Just send him the slap sticker. You sure? Yes. Okay. Put on, look at his tailgate. Yeah. His tailgate is screaming for a truck show podcast sticker on it. Yeah, it's true. No, it's screaming for a sponsor on the back. He's well, got Amsoil and. He's got a truck show podcast sponsoring him and with yeah. good faith. So you guys probably don't follow Land Speed Records or Salt Flats Racing, whatever. Uh, up there in Bonneville just a couple of weeks ago. They were supposed to have the world finals, and so so a couple months back, he was supposed to have this truck ready for um, the first go-around up in Bonneville, and the truck wasn't ready. So then it comes around to the world finals, and it got rained out. Like, it was all slush out there, up there in Bonneville. So now he's trying to figure out where to take the truck next. He'll probably go out to uh, El Mirage, which is here in Southern California, which is kind of a, a test bed, so to speak, for guys for... Well, they used to set records there all the time back in the day, and then they found the salt flats and way more room. Right. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No! Nope. Toyota has announced plans to build 1,500 of the 2024 Toyota Tundra 1794 limited edition, which basically combines all the luxury with the the TRD Pro off-road suspension. So you can now have a Luxo truck, although... I'm looking at the photos that they put out in the press uh, release, and it looks like it has uh, positive camber on the front. And the tires are so small in that big old truck. I wonder why. The interior looks kind of nice. I'm a fan of the Tundra. I have been borrowing, because uh, we've got a new uh, Stealth Pod coming out for the iDash, mm-hmm. and we're launching- By the, the way, they seem to be getting worse fuel economy than the old V8 trucks. Oh, is that true? If you're listening to the forums and stuff. And I don't like the Boy Racer dash on the TRD Pro, but I do like this 1794 edition. It's much classier, and I hate the freaking fake V8 noise they pump in. It's almost as obnoxious or more obnoxious than the Raptor. I didn't notice it. I actually drove uh, Steve Lambs up at uh, RPM Garage. They do all Toyota. Yeah, it's awful. I didn't notice it. Uh, Although window was down now that i think about it well so. you if it sounded like a v8 and you went wow this thing sounds good that mm-hmm. was not none of it was real really so uh 1500 of these trucks will roll off the san antonio assembly line and uh looks like you'll get a blacked out exterior trim exclusive stamped tailgate uh this one says 1794 limited edition with a lone star stamped in the lower passenger side and then on the suspension side uh, you get a 1.1-inch lift, Fox 2.5-inch diameter internal bypass shocks with the resis, uh, as you see on the uh, TRD Pro. And then under the hood, you get the 3.4-liter twin-turbo V6, uh, which is the uh, iForce Max Hybrid with 437 horsepower and 583 pound-feet of torque. And, uh, yeah, so a lot of people have been clamoring, saying, listen, I really want the performance of the TRD Pro, but I want a nicer truck. So Toyota's going to give it to uh, 1500 of you. It's a good-looking truck. I got to be honest. I really, really it's okay. like the Tundra. It's very undertired for me. I, I just, agree with it, but that's easy to fix. It just... Uh, but you can fix yeah. that. You know, they sell wheels and tires. You know that, right? Yeah, it just, it's, you know. Mm. Anyway. You know, right? You go to SD Wheel and you buy yourself some nice 20s with some 33s. Now you're talking. <laughs> hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. No. Apparently, uh, NHTSA is investigating uh, 708,000 Ford SUVs and pickups for catastrophic engine failure. Oh, no, 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 no. This is probably most uh, noted on the Bronco forums, but also includes the Ford F-150 and Explorer, along with the Edge, the Lincoln Nautilus, the Lincoln Aviator, 
So NHTSA is estimating 708,837 vehicles uh, are included. Uh, so basically, they opened the initial investigation to approximately 25,000 units of the Bronco back in June of 2022. Owners with the uh, 2.7 liter V6 were having engines completely die, and it was all over the forums. And so they did an engineering analysis that included uh, five other models in uh, September of 2023 and working with Ford. Uh, they discovered 328 customer complaints about sudden engine failure, uh, 487 warranty claims, and 809 engine replacements related to an issue with the valve train. Holy mackerel. So basically it was Dude, happening. Dude, wait, just, whoa, whoa, stop there. 809 engine replacements. So basically what was happening is before you even got to 10,000 miles, I think the vast majority were within a few thousand miles, there was a fractured intake valve. Uh, that would occur, and Ford had clarified that the defective valves were made with an alloy called silchrome light, and if it becomes uh, too hot from over temperature, it can become excessively hard and brittle. And you can you can hear it sucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can hear shattering. Uh, Ford says normally it manifests itself early in the vehicle's life, and it believes that the majority of the failures have already happened because valves ma- uh, manufactured after October 2021 are made with a different alloy called Silchrome 1, which uh, isn't as brittle. So you think about uh, people driving in hot temps, turbocharged, direct injection engine, that valve train uh, can definitely get some heat in there. And uh, that sucks if uh, your vehicle was one of those, but that's been all over the Bronco forums. So right now they're just uh, doing engineering analysis that is going to evaluate the scope and frequency of the issue. And at the end of the investigation, they'll determine if vehicles fitted with the engines that are prone to the failure need to be recalled. Could you imagine if uh, they come back and say Ford has to do 708,000 engine replacements? That's insane. It's so... That's... How... Well, I guess how I guess much it would money probably would that be. How well, much? I guess it would probably just be a valve train replacement because your engine hasn't blown up yet. But, but they so. have to eat all that labor. They have to all like, of it. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean that's that's not good news for uh, for Ford folks with that motor. So again, that's the uh, two point seven liter, and apparently, so again, that's the two point seven liter EcoBoost, and apparently includes some three liter EcoBoost as well. So uh, holy moly! Hey, lighting, did you hear? No, I don't think so. In a uh, glorious uh, uh, jubilation for all <laughs> Ram and Jeep EcoDiesel owners. I did see this After one, actually. months of the uh, date being pushed back for the fuel pump recall, mm-hmm. it's finally an official recall. And that means that the parts are finally available, uh, except for, well... It's the EcoDiesel groups no, hold on, on Facebook. Hold on. You might not want to keep clapping. All right. Stop. Stop clapping. You realize that the parts distribution centers are union <laughs> labor. UAW is closed and right now. So no idea. Striking. What, so yeah. So now the uh, the parts are in. The vehicles can get fixed. Uh, all you people have been waiting patiently. Uh, wait some more because of the UAW strike. Because, yeah, that sucks. So anyway, uh, this is going to be for the JL Wranglers and JT Gladiators with the EcoDiesel. The remedy is not available for the uh, Ram 1500s yet. So this is uh, specifically to the Jeeps for now. Uh, And then this is reference number Z96 or NHTSA 22V-767. So that's what you asked for at your dealer. But I'm very, very positive that uh, they are all aware of uh, of this problem and the jubilation of their customers once parts come in. 
The high-pressure fuel pump on about 28,610 of uh, the vehicles we just mentioned may fail prematurely. A HPFP failure may introduce internally failed component debris into the fuel system, potentially causing fuel starvation. And you may get a malfunction indicator lamp, uh, illuminating a fuel leak, abnormal engine noises, a change in drive quality, they say. Uh, fuel starvation may result in unexpected loss of uh, motive power, which can cause the vehicle to crash without prior warnings. So so let me do this really quick here. Let's say that um, it takes, what, three hours to change the high-pressure fuel pump. So let's say that is three times. Let's Where just- are you getting that? It's 1.7 hours to replace the high-pressure fuel is pump. Is that what it says? And it's 6.6 hours to replace the fuel rail, fuel lines, fuel injector, fuel filter, intake fuel pump, and flush the lines if you've had a f- failure. Okay. Well, let's say I'm going to go in and I'm, call, I haven't call had two a failure. Hours. Right? Okay. Two so hours. it's two hours. So it's two. At two, 120 bucks a mile. That's exactly yeah. right. $120 uh, per hour. So that's Times 2610 so that's $6.8 million they're going to have to shell out, which I guess to an OE is not awful, but still not fun. Yeah, it's not. not $6.8 million. By the way, that doesn't include the high-pressure fuel pumps they're going to have to buy from Bosch or whoever's no, making them. Bo- no. Are they not Bosch? No, they are Bosch. Yeah. Why are they buying them? Bosch built a faulty oh, pump. Oh, yeah, of course. Bosch is going yeah, to so yeah, Bo- Bosch point. is going to be eating a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, good point. So, okay. uh, sorry. Oh, I wonder if Bosch is going to have to chip in for the... Uh, Labor, the, probably. The labor, yeah. So, so, sorry, Ram fans. I uh, I may have gotten you a little excited there by mentioning Ram earlier because they were both mentioned on this press release, but it does say next to the Ram uh, part portion, Remedy not available. So, as soon as the Ram EcoDiesel uh, fix is in, we will be happy to bring that to you. But uh, until then, uh, Jeep people, rejoice when you can get your hand on a pump. And hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. no, 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 no. no. Uh, you may remember uh, me telling a story about being at the uh, Advanced Clean Transportation Expo mm-hmm. where I had mentioned that a Midwest city was trying to do 30 different – or th- uh, a distribution center with 30 charging stations for semi-trucks. And I couldn't remember the town or the state. So the utility company came in and said that's more power than the city generates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right? And somebody challenged me on that. So I did find out it was Joliet. Illinois. Okay. So there you go. It's it's a real story. In fact, there was a hearing. Someone uh, actually challenged you on that via yes, email? Yeah. Somebody sent an email and they go, oh, 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 oh. it sounded just like that. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, all right, let me let me find it for uh-huh. you. And so- Joliet, yeah. Illinois. Yep. Joliet, Illinois. Okay. So the chargers would take more than the town can produce. So let's play this clip from Andrew Boyle, who's the American Trucking Association's first vice chair and co-president of a Massachusetts-based Boyle Transportation. He went to Washington back in April, this was April 19th, 2023, to testify before a Senate Environment and Public Works Subcommittee on the Future of Clean Vehicles. So he's known, I guess, for being a manager of a truck fleet that has one of the strongest environmental records in the industry. So he injected what the ATA calls a heavy dose of reality into the debate happening on Capitol Hill nationwide over electric vehicle mandates. So this was about the same time I went to the ACT Expo and the story was being told around there. Uh, but I wanted you guys to hear it from him so it wasn't just me uh, parodying. Spouting? Yeah. So here you go. While we share the passion for EVs and cars in late-duty vehicles, projecting an automotive construct onto trucking industry dynamics is a massive mistake. And let me be clear, if battery electric trucks had adequate range, there was adequate charging infrastructure, and utilities could deliver the power, we truckers would be delighted. But let me explain our reality. 
Today, a clean diesel truck can spend 15 minutes fueling anywhere in the country and then have a range of about 1,200 miles before fueling again. In contrast, today's long-haul battery electric trucks have a range of about 150 to maybe 330 miles and can take up to 10 hours to charge. So for the same 1,200-mile journey, we'd go from 15 minutes of fueling a clean diesel truck once to charging today's BEV four to eight times for dozens and dozens of hours. And this is assuming there are chargers where you need them. We would need far more trucks to haul the same amount of freight, and each of those trucks would cost two to three times a comparable diesel truck. Converting the U.S. fleet of Class 8 trucks to battery electric would require a $1 trillion investment, which ultimately would flow to consumers. We welcome the opportunity to provide real-world, factual, and constructive input into the legislative and rulemaking process. We recognize that most people don't understand how the trucking industry works behind the scenes to supply the American public. But we can't allow unrealistic timelines, estate patchwork, and technically unachievable regulations to set trucking up for failure. Remember, we deliver food, medicine, baby formula. Failure is not merely inconvenient. It's catastrophic. So this gives you a little bit of overview of his testimony, but what I really wanted uh, to play is this next clip, and it talks about how regulators have put the cart in front of the horse, and that there's nowhere near enough power on the grid to convert the U.S. truck fleet to all battery electric, which is what they want to do. So go ahead and play that, Mr. Boyle, uh, we acknowledge they're heavier. We acknowledge they're more expensive. Maybe the incentives don't even cover the the excise tax. What's it cost to insure a vehicle like a large truck that has these extra costs and weights and, and an infrastructure, frankly, not designed for 5,000 more pounds per axle and those kinds of... Right, sir. Yes. And it's hard to tell because we're so the consumer-facing EV product is so much further ahead, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about a very heavy-duty, under-high-stress, corrosive environment. Just so we're clear on the scale of the issue... Each electric vehicle battery for a heavy-duty truck weighs 8,000 pounds, and you need at least two of them. So we're talking the weight of, you know, four or five cars. Our, my friends and peers in the industry nationwide who have tried to make efforts to put in, say, hey, I'm going to convert a dozen forklifts to electric, or I want to tee up a facility for 30 electric trucks. There's no power. The utilities come back, the cities come back and say, is this some kind of joke? One friend tried to put in, in Illinois a, uh, a facility tee it up for 30 trucks electrification. The city came back and said, this is some kind of joke. You're asking for more draw than the entire city requires. And just to give you an idea, 30, 50 trucks, that's like a five, six megawatt application. The factory that makes the trucks is a two megawatt factory. We're playing checkers right now, and we'd be delighted to have more choices. If the power and infrastructure is not available, it's not even a consideration for trucking. Yet California wants to make it immediate, effective next January. That's the only choice. No diesel trucks, no OEM is going to be compliant with the, with the California CARB standard for a diesel electric truck starting in January. They'll have product due to credits and so forth, but none is going to be technically compliant. What are we talking about here? We're trying to serve the country and supply uh, commodities that are essential to everyday life. So before any of the, this is not kind of a choice. We have the cart before the horse right now. 
So anyway, I came across that when I was looking for the story, and I thought, well, so this guy tells the story uh, way better than I do, and I just thought it would be uh, pretty cool to, to share. That's great to hear. I mean, it's, it's so accurate. Just just to hear the uh, the conversation with you know the factory and and what the charging would take up in the city, and I just all that. It's just it's very fascinating to me. I think they would love to have electric trucks. There's a lot of things that are interesting about electrification, uh, especially torque and moving loads and things like that. But again. The infrastructure has to be there, and we have to be ready, and we're, we're not at that place. You know, I, I think electric makes sense. So what I'm thinking, Holman, is that California sucks. And you should move. You email? I'm yeah. thinking about it. See ya. <laughs> Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. All right, my start and you start. Uh, the move out of state? It's probably yeah. going to be you. I was going to go to Austin, but now it's Libtown, USA. Oh, so no kidding. I'm Austin. thinking about the hill country out where Jesse James moved. Somewhere yeah. there. See ya. My peeps. Uh, taking uh, new applications for the Truck Show Podcast co-host <laughs> at uh, Holman at Truck No, you don't. No, no, what are you talking about? I can do this remotely. You don't need me here. It's not the same. <laughs> Frontier spotting uh, from Victor Rodriguez. I know I'm super late, but send me a damn sticker. I guess he. I guess Victor must have sent me a a photo of uh, a frontier photo. <laughs> so uh, we're still doing that. I have been uh, somewhat delinquent for the last two weeks on sending sending stickers out. Uh, but Victor, I'm going to use your email to uh, to start up the process again. And uh, all right, I'm going to send some to Mount Holly, New Jersey. There you go. All right, uh, got this one from our buddy uh, Ray R B. He says, uh, "Okay, I call BS on Ford." So he's talking about the Ford Pro Access tailgate. <laughs> he says, uh, "BS uh, and the Raptor R Hubris." So he goes, uh, "Ram sixty forty dual swing barn doors is far better for accessing the bed with a trailer hooked up than Ford's new Pro Access gate. With Ram's MFT, both doors can be swung fully open with most trailers hooked up. Ford's wide center mounted swinging door has to have the thirty seven degree detent." Precisely because it's not as trailer-friendly as Ram's 6040 solution. Ram's MFT is fully accessible from the driver's side, contrary to what the Ford engineer would have everyone believe, and Ram's is friendlier yet because it can be full open with the trailer hooked up. Ram's MFT is the only one to give full width access to the bed all the way to the bumper for either humans or forklifts. Neither Ford nor GM can make that claim. And also, I called BS on Jay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> he says... Why? I don't know. He says Ford's original integrated tailgate step, while innovative, is nothing compared to Ram's MFT for ease, speed, and safety of getting up uh, into and down out of the bed. Oh, just because I like the stripper pole. Uh, yeah, that's all. Ford's in tailgate deployable step takes eight separate actions to use compared to Ram's MFT uh, three steps. See below. So yeah, no, he, look, uh, right, right, right. I am not saying it's the most well engineered. Uh, a tailgate ever. I just love the stripper pole. I think it's really handy. But that's it. That's all I was. I just love out. the fact that Ray, like his his emails, like he takes like time to write. It's not like hey, f you send me stickers. It's like let me give you a dissertation on the state of truckdom. I and I read all maybe, of these thoroughly. Maybe he would be a good re- replacement for you. Uh, he does talk about uh, a couple more things, but I'll move on because what I'm really curious about is what he says regarding the Raptor hubris. Hmm. He says, regarding Raptor, yes, absolutely. Ford was first of the big three in that space. Kudos to Ford for that. But the Ford engineer's arrogance with the statement, Ford is the space, the other manufacturers just dabble around the edges, is totally laughable given that the Raptor R exists only because of the TRX. And furthermore, Ford is just now catching up to Ram with respect to their shocks and coil-sprung rear suspensions. GMC and Chevy are becoming very strong contenders in the stock high-performance off-road space. The new 2024 F-150 grills, while nice, are definitely leading toward Ram's more sophisticated 
sophisticated, rounded corners aesthetic that was born in 2019. I take nothing for Ford in the truck space in general, but all those rah-rah interviews at this year's Detroit Auto Show are a little bit embarrassing for Ford because they're trying to make themselves out as the only innovators will infect many areas. They are still trying to catch up to Ram and the competition. Thank you for reading, and remember, everything matters, especially when mounting one's parameters. And that's from Ray. Thanks for watching, and remember, everything matters. Mounted parameters! Zach Morehouse writes in, My neighbor purchased a Frontier SV recently, which goes along with my 21 Titan, formerly driving a 27 Titan XD. Zach, you're awesome. There's the photo. And Zach, I can't remember if I sent stickers to Zach. But Don't you have a um, list? I do have a loose list. <laughs> okay, so somebody's I have stapled stickers. emails that I have to sift All the through. listeners are hearing right now, ooh, he doesn't remember if you sent them to me. I'm going to send in another picture. All right, so we got this one from our friend uh, King Gladney, who, if you remember, started the show not too uh, long ago and was, like, binge listening all the way through. Well, he's caught up to your license plate fiasco, and he says, uh, <laughs> oh, no. hey, guys, I know I'm way Wait, behind. I get to hear it all again? But I listened to the Matt Farah episode, and, of course, he rubbed me the wrong way. He's never lived in the real world and, therefore, should not be trying to dictate rules for everyone else. New York City and L.A. are bubbles that operate completely separate from the rest of the U.S., minus San Francisco. So for a license plate for the TRX, it would have been awesome if it read F-K-U-R-S-P-C or F your space. Love the show. You've truly earned five stars. Your friend, King Gladney. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. I think that's actually kind of funny, but the DMV would never allow it. No. Hey, guys, says uh, Creighton Burroughs. Let's try this again to see if Lightning will send me a sticker. Here's a beautiful gray Nissan Frontier Pro 4X seen in Reno, taken from inside my wife's 21 Ram Rebel. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Finnegan, go, buddy. It's yeah, buddy, not go, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Uh, yes, I do owe you some stickers, and here they come. By the time you're hearing this, they're in the mail. You hope. Pretty sure. <laughs> All right, uh, Sam Houston writes, uh, truck inappropriateness. A friend sent me this picture, and I immediately thought of your discussion about truck and diesel inappropriateness. Keep those parameters mounted. Sam Houston and the sign has a – I don't know if this is like a, a state sign or something like that, but it's literally a sign that says inappropriate truck route in yellow. What? Well, show it to me on the screen. So you can see it up on the, uh, on the uh, Podshed TV here. And it's just <laughs> a yellow sign that says inappropriate, inappropriate tr- truck route. And it's sure got a enough. big rig circled with a big X through it. You need to get that sign for the pod shed. If, uh, if I found that sign, I would hang it on the outside wall of the, of the uh, pod shed. So if you know where this is. Don't steal it. Steal it and send it <laughs> to us. How did I know you were going to tell people to steal it? Just find me one and get it to us. It. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll reward you with a sticker. F- no, uh, no. If if you send us that, I'll send you a sweatshirt. But we don't have any truck show podcast sweatshirts. Uh, I need to print some. Okay, I do. I I, I owe us a few. Uh, or should I get embroidered jackets? What do you think? What do you prefer? I'm gonna make three, dude. Like four tops. <laughs> I'll send this dude one. Whoever steals that sign. There you go. Yeah, Are you in for you want like a you want hoodies? You I, want a no, jacket? I have a hoodie. Let's, I'll go jacket. All right, jacket it is. Uh, Smother biscuits and gravy from Trevor. Hey, listen, if you guys ever actually make that road trip up to Santa Rosa to see Chuckles Garage and the remnants of Old Smokey, let me know and try to stop by on your way. I'll take you out for some bomb breakfast diner food. I'm in Gilroy off the 101, and as a matter of fact, Trevor, I will be headed up the right through Gilroy. In about three weeks, 
I may call you and we will do some diner food. Oh, all right. Well, uh, you enjoy your diner food. I hope he takes you to a Waffle House. I will not go to a Waffle House. I go to a real diner. Lucky for you, Waffle House doesn't exist in uh, the middle of California. I wouldn't go even if it did. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Write us, won't you? The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. Follow us on social at Truck Show Podcast, or you can follow at LBC Lighting. No, at don't, no, Sean no. P. don't bother following me anymore. I haven't posted in weeks. So what does that matter? I they just, don't know that. I mean, oh, really? They don't really care that much. It's like just, a photo of there. me and my kid up at uh, right. Cal's e- email lighting. Saturday lighting at Truck Show Podcast, Holman at Truck Show Podcast, or Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> or leave us some voicemails. We've got a few to get to in the next episode, 657-205-6105. And let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're doing while you're, you're gassing up your EV big rig for 12 hours at the old uh, ele- Electron <laughs> Olean facility. Are you a spud trucker? What are they called? The spud? spud you're, really, you're really dialed into the spud truck guy. I thought it was so funny. A spud truck guy. Yeah. It's funny. It's been weeks since we did that. I because love it. We, we, I was gone and we recorded a couple shows early and you still remember you're all, <laughs> all in on the spud truck. Because I want a shirt that says spud trucker. That's why. You know, you can uh, find a bunch of cool events at truckshowpodcast.com slash events. And if you have any in your area, please send it to us so we can get them on our calendar of events. We're uh, doing anything nationwide. Don't care how small, how big. If it's a one-time deal or a recurring event, uh, send it over to us and we'll uh, get it up on our events calendar. Indeed, my friend uh, Holman. So we want you to head over to your Nissan dealer and check out the brand new Nissan Frontier or Nissan Titan. The Titan's got the best warranty in the business, five-year, 100,000 miles. And if you need a little smaller truck, the Frontier is super-duper slick, easy to get around town, but super durable for even semi-heavy-duty needs. I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> wow. That was your first cold Nissan read in a long time. Yeah, it was rusty. Wow. But it was rough. somewhat accurate. Rough and, uh, rough and rugged, just like the just Nissan like Frontier the Pro 4X. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Pro 4X uh, is a good truck. Should by I the way. try and do the uh, cold banks read? I dare you. Double all right. Head on over to uh, bankspower.com where you can use their build and price tool. No, what? Well, your, your make model. <laughs> where you can no. use their year make model tool to yes. figure out what parts they have for your car well, no, you're or to truck. Well, pro- you're supposed to promote the, uh, the IDAS. I'm here. getting there. Oh. And one of those products that is car or truck, which is why I freaking just mentioned it. Okay. Lightning, mm-hmm. Jay. The iDash. And the iDash is an amazing do-it-all, everything-you-need gauge that replaces like uh, something like 800 gauges. It plugs into your OBD2 port. You can data log with it. It shows you all the vitals that your car's dashboard refuses to show you. There's nothing else out there that's like the iDash. And now Banks on Select Applications is even offering the Stealth Pods, which is their new mounting system that looks like it came from the factory on a horde of different trucks, Jeeps, and uh, other Watch your things. language. A horde. Bankspower.com. And a big shout to our buddy Mel White over at Hellwig Products for coming on the show and uh, sharing her stories with us. If you guys need, if, if you're if you're loaded down, if you've got a camper on the back and you need sway control, they've got helper springs for you. Or if you are looking for the perfect blend of off-road capable uh, control and street ability, Sway bars. They make them better than anybody. Can we just agree on something? What's that? Uh, fighting saggy bottoms together. <laughs> Us and uh, Hellwig. You can uh, find a set of either uh, load springs or sway bars at hellwigproducts.com. And again, they'll be uh, hanging out with us at uh, the Truck Show Podcast for the next month. So uh, if you've got a truck and you've got a lot of sway and too much load 
and your saggy bottom's dragging, that's where you go. <laughs> They'll sounds, hook you up. Sounds kind of gross. I got to be honest with you. Get rid of that grossness. <laughs> with some awesome chromoly uh, sway bars. So Holman and I are very familiar with Hellwig for, for many years. We've run them on many vehicles, many disparate vehicles. Like we've had Jeep. Pickup trucks, heavy duty, light duty, and experienced it across the board. So uh, we can tell you, hands down, fantastic product coming right out of here from uh, California and all made in the USA since 1946. Type in your year, make, and model at hellwigproducts.com. Hey, guys. It's Miles, your producer here. What's up? Congratulations. Great show. Except for all the stuff before the intro. Hey. And the stuff after the intro. Come on. And everything before and after the end. Come to think of it, it was all bad. Can you start fresh from the top? I ain't going to be any better the second time. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Taste the honey sauce. Taste the goodness of the biscuit with the honey sauce. Don't get that honey sauce on me. I don't like the way it tastes with my chicken wings. Hey guys, Lightning here, coming to you from my home office where I edit the show every week, unless I'm uh, out at a Banks event, at which point I uh, cut the show up on my laptop. But listen, I'm leaving you this message because... This is officially the 300th episode. We've done some SEMA episodes and some bonus stuff, but as far as my count is concerned and how I label all the shows, this is number 300, and you've made it to the end of number 300. It's pretty awesome, and we really appreciate you listening to our show. Sincerely.